0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and in this segment I interview yet again Dr. Andrew Foss. Dr. Foss is the president of the British Association for Vedic Astrology, and he is the creator of Jyotistar, which is a software that you can use for Jotish or Vedic Astrology. That being said, if you're interested in studying astrology at home and you're looking for a program, Jyotistar is an amazing software. Dr. Andrew Foss's website is vedicsoftware.com, where you can explore his many offerings, including consultations, again his software or his book, Yoga of the Planets. And Yoga of the Planets is actually one of my favorite go-tos. I use it all the time. Like a few times a week <laughs> and I definitely recommend checking it out if you're interested in some of the spiritual philosophy and also understanding mantras and how mantras work with planetary energies. So, I do consider Dr. Foss to be my main teacher of jotish and why I hold him in such high regard and that I feel so inspired by him is that he is so deeply rooted in his own spiritual practice. Rather it be his book or a lecture or a reading, something he's teaching, you can feel his own spiritual awareness and how much time he's invested in understanding and studying vedic literature vedic philosophy and investing time in his own practices he approaches everything with a virtuous and dharmic lens before everything else and what i also appreciate about dr foss is that he can take concepts, high-level, confusing concepts of astrology, and make them practical, tangible, and grounded. Whenever I approach Dr. Foss with a question, I feel like I walk away not only understanding astrology better, but also understanding human emotion better, psychology better, how the world works a little bit better. I feel so grounded and rooted in the practical application of jyotish and astrology. But then we'll also come to see that Dr. Foss has this profound insight when it comes to energetics and karma and more of the subtle ways that the world works as well, so it's always a profound journey to have a conversation with Dr. Foss. It's almost difficult to put into words, which is part of why I'm so excited to share a conversation with him today. I discovered Dr. Foss in a lesson actually that he was doing on sinistry and compatibility. Of course, I was immediately inspired and wanted to learn more from him. And so again, it brings me so much joy to get to share a conversation with him. on that very topic on sinistry and compatibility. So I'll go ahead and get the interview started. I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I did. All right, well, welcome back, Dr. Foss. It's such a pleasure to have you again. Thank you for making time to come onto the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. Very nice to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, and again, this is your second time coming on and people know that you are... Dr. Andrew Foss, you have a program for astrology. And so if people are wanting to have a program where they can look at astrology at home, you have your website and it's Tistar, right? Is that your main website? I know that's your program.
1: Yeah, the the, the website is vedicsoftware.com.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's know, where
1: people- gets you there, but you have to spell it right. So vedicsoftware.com.
0: yeah. Yeah. And your program is very special and it offers insight into all of the Jaimini techniques. And it's just, it's really great. So people can um, find it there. And you've also, of course, written a book. I found you through a Synistry and compatibility course, which is what we're going to talk about today is relationships, synastry and compatibility. And I feel like every single time I see you, I come to you talking <laughs> to you about relationships, synastry and compatibility. Um, and so I think that some of the main questions that I get in my own practice are about relationships and a lot of what people typically want to know about is karmic connections and understanding what a karmic relationship looks like and then also what formulates a long-term relationship. But I think that as you'll probably explain, synastry incompatibility can actually be quite complex and there's not usually um a super simple answer to these things but I do want to hear your insights on it.
1: Right. Yeah, life is complex. So astrology has to be similarly complex unfortunately. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh,
1: you know, so we can't just uh, like convert everything down to some throwaway, you know, conclusion. I mean, this is a problem actually in life, leaving aside astrology. Jumping to conclusions is one of the biggest mistakes that human beings make. And yet, in a way, we're programmed to do it because, you know, our brains can only process so much and the amount of information that's coming in through the senses is far larger than the brain can process. So the brain, what the brain does is it has its backup memories. And then as things are coming up, if it sort of reverberates with one of those memories, we say, OK, I got it. And you stop processing, and you, this is not going on consciously. It's just a sort of it's built into the system, really. I mean, some of it is habit, which is not good. But the 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 basic thing is is just part of the efficiency of the brain. The unfortunate thing is that you uh, you sometimes jump to the wrong conclusion. In <laughs> fact, generally conclusions are always wrong because they're never the whole picture that's the whole point you know it's like even computers do the same thing like um, suppose the face recognition system it works pretty much like the brain does it it has a big memory of built up from looking at thousands of faces and then it sees a few things that match quite highly and we say okay this is so and so and then the guy goes to prison for 30 years and he didn't do anything (laughs) I you know they've got it to a point where it's quite you know remarkably good, but the point is it is it is jumping to a conclusion based on a limited amount of evidence. So you know we have to bear that in mind but from a more sort of a profound point of view, you know when you jump to a conclusion basically you you your processing stops. in other words, you no longer listening, you are no longer paying attention. You no, know, it's like you you meet someone, and you talked for two minutes and then you you kind of like, okay, I've got this person. <laughs> and and then, you know, then you just you're not paying attention anymore because you think, I've got it, you know. Uh maybe they're wearing the wrong type of shoes. Okay, out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know people who work like that. They look at the shoes, that's it, finished. And um, you know, or they don't smell quite right or something. I mean. But what, what we re- should really realize is that you know the human each human being is such a colossal possibility, we could say. Wow. You know, some of which is actualized, but a huge amount which is potential in everybody, you know. And because of circumstances or you know, whatever, poor education, and let's face it, all of our education is quite poor. Um it's not been actualized. So, you know, it's, it's it's like you go for a job interview and, you know, you've done a lot of things. You know, you've worked hard. You've, you know, you've had so much experience. You've done this, this, and this. And you end up, you're facing some, basically a computer program that's gone through your CV, jumped to a conclusion, and they don't even give you an interview and you feel bad, right? So the, you know, it's because you feel you haven't been seen. Yeah. If you'd actually met a living person even on Zoom and then they said no, sorry, you know, you wouldn't feel quite so bad. But you know, the fact that you haven't even been seen and you've been rejected. So you can imagine what online dating is like. I mean <laughs> swipe, 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 whatever. I never really got in for it, but you know, it's 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 just So trivializing human life, which is so profound. I mean, all life is profound. Yeah. Way beyond what we can possibly imagine, you know. It's only when you really see somebody dying or even an animal dying, if you're really paying attention, you see the enormity of life as it exits the body. It's just so spectacular. So, you know if if you have a sort of attitude towards everything that it's it's just this infinite potential then you know you wouldn't jump to conclusions at least you wouldn't write people off too quickly you know you see now the whole problem really is is a blindness thing you know it's blindness because you're not paying attention therefore you're blind or you've jumped to a conclusion, so you stop paying attention, now you're blind. Or you have some prefixed attitudes. You know, this famous thing about, um, I remember my father saying to me, he said, uh, You know, I had a long list of things, you know, the checklist for the wife, right? <laughs> long list. <laughs> after he met my mother, he just he said, uh, I just realized I had to throw the list out.
0: Aww.
1: <laughs> you know it's true you know it's like and then I remember yeah. I had was once I was giving some astrology uh sessions in London and um this uh this girl came to see me and uh anyway somehow in the conversation she was saying that she had this sort of checklist that she kind of intuited that the guy she was looking for was like this like this it all went all the way down to some kind of unusual tattoo that the person had to have okay <laughs> so it was like <laughs> it was really specific and then yeah. she she was she'd gone to some other practitioner of some kind and she was sitting in the waiting room and this guy walks in and he just fits exactly and it turns out he's got the tattoo and then That's you a- know they talk they talk a bit but it's absolutely nothing happens okay so you know all this incredible build-up to this you know phenomenal sort of insight and this is it and then you meet the actual perfect person and there's nothing there mm-hmm. so it, it just shows that this this kind of approach is not what it's all about yeah now this is now we're getting to what you were saying at the beginning about karmic relationships yeah absolutely it's that, that actually everything is karma there's no relationship that doesn't have the karma in it. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be. You wouldn't meet someone if you have no karma with them. Exactly. You know, when you go to the store, if you you have a sort of moment of interaction with a checkout person, then there is that microscopic amount of mutual karma. But it's so small, you know. Yeah. But it's just a, a sort of moment. And it might be a good moment or they might have frowned at you and you spoiled your day or something. But there's something... So, so the question is, you know, if you're going to get together with somebody and go through some major drama, because karma and drama are sort of tied up, you know, it's almost the same word. If you yeah. karma and, you <laughs> and it is people, dramatic. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always <I> mean, dramatic. <laughs> it's really probably from the same root, uh, maybe. But anyway, um, you know, if you've got, you know, this let's say you marry somebody you have kids this is major drama i mean massive drama involved you know uh i mean if you do anything major with somebody even if it's sort of breaking up or something you know heavyweight divorce goes on for years and all that is intense karma and uh so it's not like great you know it can be quite (laughs) challenging but it's, it's mutual drama it's like you you're both sharing the experience of the drama together. So there has to be something that links the the two people to have that kind of mutual experience. And even if if you don't have it, then even if you meet someone and they're absolutely super and you love them, but nothing happens because you don't have that kind of destiny. Right. I mean, that we have to understand that this... This getting together is more about the des- mutual des- destiny than simply liking somebody,
0: right? And yeah. and I think and I think that that's what can get um, confusing with astrology. Just kind of synthesizing a lot of what you've just said, which is all so profound, but it's like this desire to run programs in our mind and kind of make assumptions we meet someone and we're excited about them so we look at their chart and we're like wanting it to show certain things or have a certain outcome but at the end of the day dr foss we can't fake karma we can't fake destiny so it doesn't it's like it's helpful to know and i do want to get into the astrology because i know people are curious and it is as you've mentioned to me before visible in the astrology a lot of the time um but if karma is there and if the shared destiny is there you're going to feel it and experience it and live it and it's going to be impossible to escape but then it's not also karma. going to be impossible yeah. to fake it
1: that's right it's not fake i mean i did uh, i had to i gave a lecture on this uh, a few years ago and uh, i was showing many examples where people are varying degrees of drama you know? <laughs> and um you could just see that basically the two nodes of the moon, Rahu and Ketu, we call them in Vedic astrology. So they need to be in play with, between the two people. Mm-hmm. That creates a sort of a, a bond. Mm-hmm. Now we have a we when we hear the word bond, we probably feel good, and then we hear the word bondage and we start feeling bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> the same word with the same meaning. <laughs> So, so the fact is that there's something gripping or grabbing you that's difficult to let go of, like you said. And that's the nature, of, especially of Rahu, but Ketu can do it as well, where it's it's sort of like something's got you and you just can't you can't let go of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this story about uh the, the old-fashioned hunters in the forests. They mm-hmm. they put a bottle with a a bottle, it was fixed somewhere to something and put a banana in it and then the monkey would come and the monkey would put his hand and grab the banana but he couldn't get his hand out without letting go of the banana and he'd see the hunter coming but he still couldn't let go of the (laughs) banana so he got caught I mean it's just a classic isn't it
0: I've felt that way so many times in my life there with
1: relationships specifically. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly it, you see. If the yeah. hook has gone in. It's like the fish. You know, it. it's... So... Um, yeah. That's just... And and you do see it in astrology, this kind of... Uh, there's something, especially something with the Rahu and the moon or something like that. It's uh, It just creates a kind of a bond. Now... That could be with somebody who there's no question of marriage with them or anything like that, but it still creates some something that's that's sort of a long-lasting um, connection you have with them. And because Rao is involved, it's not going to be easy all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may be feeling, you know, like it's challenging at mm-hmm. times, but it's still a bond, you know. And the bonds make life. I mean, that's it. In the in astrology, we have we say the fourth house is the house of Bandha or Bandana. Bandana is the Sanskrit for the word bondage. It's the same word really. Mm. Uh, Band and bond. I mean, what's the difference? So it, it it the bandha are your relatives or the people that you have a close connection with. It could be very close friends, it could be animals in the, you know, your pets. Um it could be even, you know, the wealthier people, some servants who live in the house. I mean, they're people who are, so you feel a family for one reason or another, people or animals. And then, you know, they all reside in what's called the fourth house, which is the home, but it's also the heart, you see. So it's that connection which um, causes, uh, and really marriage also comes from the fourth house. We think it's the seventh house. seventh house is the contract. But if mm. the fourth house isn't supporting it's going to be a disaster wow the fourth you know the fourth house is the home is the happiness it's the relatives it's the whole the whole experience of it that's what really has to be uh strengthened and if we have some problem in the fourth house in our own charts then we're facing life with a certain sort of uh, yeah level of whatever it is whether it's anger or fear or uh, suffering sorrow or something some uh, some there's some discomfort in our relationship with the world and that's going to create a, a nuisance in every relationship you know mm-hmm. the problem in relationships is not the other person mm-hmm. it's never the other person Mm-hmm. you know they have their problems they definitely have their problems you have your problems but your problem is your problem is not the other person mm-hmm. their problem is their problem you see and if you put two dysfunctional people together <laughs> you may get you know a multiplication effect unless they have some kind of uh you know sometimes if you put two really broken people together they mend each other there are definitely cases of that you know because they, they can sympathize and gradually they they start to heal it takes time
0: you
1: know yeah but I, so I, if we're particularly strong and the other person's a bit weak in some area and we we start getting a bit inflated because we think that we've got it together and they haven't that's it we're ruining the relationship we have to have there has to be some humbleness in all respects you know that we're we're tolerant because everybody has the dysfunction nobody can say oh i'm great and the other person's not no it's never like that it just isn't you know everybody has strengths and weaknesses and if you can help the other person when they're relatively weak and they will help you when you're relatively weak and that makes a fantastic team you know yeah you yeah. can't do much in life on your own really no now, to be honest you know it's it's it there's a there's a team effect but you have to have this attitude this sort of humbleness because um uh, there has to be some some sort of hum- we can't get into a sort of And that's where it comes down to this judgmental attitude, you see, where we started. If there's any kind of judgmental attitude about the other person, then we're going to destroy the relationship. We will. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that it's going back to what we were originally talking about as well, is it's this deep recognition that all of us are incarnated because we have. Karma to play out and none of us are going to be perfect and all of us are going to have issues And no one is incarnated to fulfill all of our expectations and all of our needs and all of our desires.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely (laughs) not on the cards, no.
0: And, And so when we approach relationship with this deep awareness that this is a soul on their path for development and evolution and that they're going to have pitfalls and hang ups and traumas and issues, and it may negatively affect the relationship sometimes, I think it can kind of help cultivate that humility and understanding in others but then also even in ourselves like i'm not we're not going to be perfect and the majority of us have relationship karma the majority of us are going to have challenges in relationship
1: (laughs) no i mean karma is is not um it's not black or white there's nothing good or bad about the karma it just is you know yeah it's good really because that's what makes the life when you run out of karma life is over you know so you know that it's the karma is good it's just that we have to be big enough that we we're we're not lost in it you know if we start if we start sort of uh uh i mean you put it very nicely just then you know this this thing about you each person has definitely got some sort of weaker areas or some unfulfilled sense in them and then you know you're looking for somebody else who will sort of fill that Gap you know I I remember I there was this girl I was this a long time ago there was this girl I really kind of quite was interested in and uh we were very good friends you know and we'd have a nice time but she never showed much interest you see hmm. I wasn't you know I was just putting up with it <laughs> <then> one, day, <laughs> one day she shows up and uh you know we're chatting and then suddenly she produces this chart and says what about this person you know and i looked at this chart and uh this girl had a problem that she was perpetually anxious mm-hmm. i mean she was seriously anxious not like normal it was like off the charts really permanent sort of state of super anxiety and she had uh i think it was um, the moon and rahu together okay and she produced this chart and i noticed that the jupiter of this other chart fell exactly between her moon and her rahu wow so i said take it <laughs> <laughs> this is because, <it. laughs> as you know, as an astrologer, you have to be objective. You can't, you can't just say something stupid to somebody because you like them. You have to tell them the truth. So I, I said, "This is it. This is perfect." And uh, then she went off. And then, you know, a little while later, she owns up the fact that she's gay and this girl she met. And uh, they've been uh, together for the last what um, umpteen decades. I mean, it's, it's a very long time, and they're still together, and they're still super happy, and they've had a fabulous life, as far as oh, I understood. Yeah. And she still writes to me hardly anyone from that era ever. Writes me. so it's like you know it was just because that that is what you see the Jupiter in one person's chart, if it touches the weak point in the others, wow, that's like. Striking gold. It's yeah. You can throw the gold away and take that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it, because you see, the thing about Jupiter is that Jupiter is the it, it's just the sense of like God is protecting you. You know, the Jupiter in each person chart is where the rays of God are coming from, and if those are falling on the another person's weak point, then the other person is going to say, yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> So absolutely. really, the ideal thing is if it works both ways. But some people have already a very strong Jupiter in their chart that, you know, they're naturally blessed. You know, they're born with a blessing. So for them, it doesn't matter too much. You know, they don't have to, they're not looking for another person to prop themselves up. So they can be fine. But if a person is doesn't have that, sort of inherent support they need it from the other person and if they don't get you see the point is if you don't feel that with another person you'll start giving them a hard time yeah you may not intend to but that's what happens because you are supposed to provide me with this good feeling i don't feel good this is your fault you know it's a disaster but yeah. you, you see the number of relationships that really have that tuned up it's quite small mm-hmm. so there's a lot of disaster yeah <laughs> i mean you know it's all relative because there are other things that are nice you know certain things work well and all that and you know it's fine but sometimes when you're a bit emotionally weak then you start complaining because you think someone else is responsible. Yeah. So uh, the one thing astrology can do is sort of, uh, if if they have any choice, like, you know, fortunate thing about Indians is that they often check the chart before they meet the person. So, you know, once you know somebody and you're kind of involved with them, it's very hard. You can't tell the person just to forget it because that's that wouldn't be right, you know. Yeah. I mean, I had this one one girl I was working with, she was just a colleague, but she was a very sad case, you know. She'd she'd never had much luck. (laughs) And uh, I was so, I felt very sympathetic, but I definitely wasn't interested, right? So then um, she went, she finally found some guy after years. And then they were really like they were going to get married and they made the mistake. I mean, I have to say it, they went to some Indian astrologer. And uh, <laughs> for some stupid reason, the guy told them this wasn't a good idea. And uh, yeah, he, you know, they broke up. And then a few weeks later, they got a letter from him saying, "Well, I thought about it, and I've changed my mind. It's a good idea." And but but either time they'd been through all that pain of breaking up, and they just couldn't face getting together again.
0: Aww. It's one of the
1: worst things that I've seen in my life, really. That is so sad. It's desperately sad, because you can't imagine this girl was, had, you know, she'd had no luck at all. And she wasn't, she wasn't very old, but she wasn't very young either. And this guy just destroyed them. Yeah. So, you know, that is a very wrong thing. And any astrologer thinks they can do that sort of thing should just quit and do something else with their life.
0: You know? Yeah, well, and I think that it's important and I shared a story on the podcast about this recently that there is room for human error. People can be wrong about what they're saying. Oh, I've been told wrong things. People. people are wrong. I've been- been well, had... wrong?
1: So you should be wrong on the wrong side, on the right side. Yeah, Like, if, you know, you shouldn't ruin someone's life taking a chance that you might be right don't do that 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 is really that is a serious error and that's why it says in the vedic literature that if you give somebody bad advice you get three times the negative karma yeah. of the person who makes the mistake yeah or say so you know it, it it's a very you you could be spending a long time paying for that mistake so so don't do it you know i tell my students You know, you can't go around behaving like that. Yeah. If in the Vedic literature it actually says if two people like each other, that's 50% of the compatibility taken care of. So the astrologers only got the other 50% to look at. So what can they do? It can just give them some more insight into the dynamics of the relationship. Um, so that like there's for example, there's this uh there was this Indian guy, he was giving a lecture uh, at some dinner party, sing some dinner function, and he was saying that uh, uh, he, and he was an older person, he said when he was getting married, which is obviously when he was quite young, um, the astrologer looked at the charts and said, well, you'll never agree on anything. And he and he said, it's true, we've never agreed on anything. <laughs> not married you know 50 years later sorry whatever i mean yeah. they, because they didn't have an expectation of agreeing yeah so then, no problem <laughs> and that's so, a beautiful way to approach yeah. connection with somebody yeah, like i don't successful, yeah It's a successful marriage because of a little bit of <laughs> advice. <laughs> that's
0: hilarious i love that and so yeah, I mean, I think that you've said so many things that I kind of want to go back and, and touch on because oh. so many, so much of this is amazing. I think that a major takeaway is the 50%. Like if you like someone that's 50% and, and then the destiny is involved. If it's in the cards, if, if destiny is going to bind you together, it's going to bind you together. And then the astrology can be used as a tool to understand how to show up for someone better, how to understand them better so that we can be a better friend or a better partner or a better support. Not necessarily.
1: Yeah. I was going to say we all have this blindness problem. You know, you can get very focused on something. You're in the middle of something, you're really focused on it, but the, the blinkers have come on because of your focus. And all the stuff over here you're not seeing, and all this stuff over here is not seeing. So it's like, you know, you've 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 been with someone for a while and you've seen all the ways they help you and support you. And just because something is not quite working out just now. You're ready to just blow the whole thing up uh, i mean it's stupid we have to realize that, that we all have a bit of this tendency to get you know become a bit blind we have to shut ourselves just stop and uh, get the bigger picture again you know yeah and it-
0: yeah Well, and what you are reminding me of, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this is the power of Saturn because Saturn is the discipline and the devotion and the dedication to kind of make things work and to draw things out and to give the practicality of like, I don't expect it to be perfect. I've been working my entire life. Of course, this is going to be hard, but people, people kind of expect Saturn to be a negative thing. No, in ministry. So I would love to hear your thoughts on Saturn when looking at two charts together. Yeah,
1: you see, Saturn represents faithfulness.
0: Yeah. Just, just
1: for what you just said. Because Saturn will work at it, will stick at it. You know, he's got the conservative kind of viewpoint of like, you know, should make it work. And uh it's not frivolous at all, he's not childish. You know, sleeping around is just childish. It's mm-hmm. nothing adult about it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, people go through childish phases sometimes, even in the older age. But it, it is just childish. So Saturn doesn't do that at all. So if somebody has a strong Saturn, they may seem a little boring at times. They may even seem a little cold at times, but they're absolutely faithful, and that's great. You see, so mm-hmm. we all need a bit of it because we don't want to be flighty. You know, there has to be some degree of commitment. Saturn's the one that's committed mm-hmm. so Saturn is is a big blessing really you know and and, and the fact is all relationships are hard work aren't they so, yeah. I mean if you want a good in, one yeah exactly and and the, the point of a relationship is traditionally children isn't it and that's massive hard work so, yeah I mean, you know' it's it's, it's, it's nothing there's no, it's, you know, I don't know. Today, these days, I hear they have a thing called uh, situationships, which yes. are uncommitted relationships. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, what? what is the use, really? I mean, friendship is nice. Otherwise, what's the point?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so for people looking at their charts, Um, in synastry, what are some connections with Saturn that would potentially denote a longer term relationship? And I know that this is probably a complex question, but if it can be boiled down simply, how would you describe it?
1: Oh, Saturn, see, see, one aspect is Saturn gives longevity to whatever it's associated with. So if it happens to be in that part of the chart which gives longevity to relationships, then it will do that. But that depends on its particular location. It's just that if if a person has a bit of Saturn in their in their makeup, to that extent they'll be, they'll tend to stick at it. They'll bear with a lot, you see, Saturn people. The whole of life, as you say, it's like hard. So you know, you bear with a lot and you're in the habit of bearing with it. Mm-hmm. and if you're not prepared to bear with it you, you know it nothing lasts very long if you're not prepared to bear with it right
0: right you know, it's because
1: sure. there's always ups and downs in everything lots of challenges so saturn is is a good thing you know if it has an influence on the on your character in some way
0: you I know see. people who
1: practice meditation generally have quite an influence of Saturn. You know, it takes some influence of Saturn to sit down and shut up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. So David- somebody can't <laughs> meditate, won't meditate, you know, has no interest in meditating. I mean maybe they don't have much Saturn in their chart. I mean, it's possible, or they may not have got maybe later in their life they will but you know that's i can't it's not good to make any generalization really okay But somebody who, who's sort of got a degree of inwardness in them so they they would be potentially um, more faithful but it it's hard to it's hard to really generalize the, th- the thing is that each person is looking for something mm-hmm. and the chart shows us what we're looking for mm-hmm. in a sort of um it gives a hint to it you know each person is a very unique reality so it's it's not like you know if you look spend enough time on a chart you begin to feel more and more of the person but anyway the from a point of view of just studying a chart for a while, you, you get some feeling of what the person is looking for. They're looking for certain things. So that's... And then in the course of uh, time, you meet the odd person who somewhat matches. And so since there aren't a lot of choices, perhaps, you, you pick on somebody because they're, they're, they're somewhat. And you think, well, I could fix them. I can get... I'll manipulate them into better shape. But they won't, of course, change. That's not going to happen. (laughs) And on goes the drama of life. Exactly. So you have to just accept, like, this person matches to this level, and that's all that I'm getting. I'm not getting more than that. So I just accept it. Because the other alternative, I don't get anything. Yeah. It's like somebody offers you a hundred bucks. You say, no, no, I want 500. They say it's a hundred dollars or (laughs) I'm leaving. So, you know, do you want the hundred dollars or are you going to wait for the 500? I mean, that's the thing, really. Um, And it's all, you know, this the biggest problem in relationships is that they're very often transactional. Mm. It's like, what's in it for me? Exactly, that is a disaster. Mm. There's nothing in it for you. That's the truth. You know, they, we're all you know under this. See, when Brahma first started to create, he's said to be the creator, and in, in Vedic literature, it's called Brahma, Brahma. So he uh, he created some people, and because they were coming out of him. They just sat down and started meditating, and that's all they ever did. And he was he was trying to create. He looked to these guys and he said, You guys are hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? But just sit here meditating. <laughs> so then he came up with a bright idea of lust. So, okay, I'm not going to create any more lustless people. <laughs> so, so you know, the point is that the, 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 all after that, everybody was driven by these hormones basically. Yeah. So there's you know, there's a biological imperative that's sort of pressurizing us. It's not like it's ours. We are being pressurized by something, which is, yeah. you know, the will of God, we could say. But it's all in order for, to persuade us to do things which we otherwise wouldn't do, which involves a lot of sacrifice. I mean, so you know, the parents sacrifice themselves for the children. Every, every species is the same story. And I mean, some species, you know, the mother octopus, you know, the story of the mother octopus. <laughs> you haven't
0: told me that one yet. You told me the snake story,
1: not the mother octopus. No, that's a story. no this is not a joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> okay. So, we'll get to that one. But no, I mean, it's just the story, like uh, when an octopus gets pregnant, then uh, she finds a sort of uh, a little cave underwater and then she goes in there and she, you know, produces her... Uh, the offspring and she protects them for six months. She never takes another da- morsel of food. She just protects those for for it's about six months, and so then she dies. So the moment she's getting pregnant, that's it, you know. There's no, that's it. Absolutely it. So you know it's not, it's not like uh, you know, we're achieving something. We're we're making a the supreme sacrifice, you could say. Um, Not like dying in battle, but I mean, there's you're contributing your life energies for Mm -hmm. the sake of the next generation, and that is a is a very great thing. That's why it's you know been highly praised always. That Mm -hmm. there's a it's a very great thing, and it's the whole society is based on, you know, the families. Mm -hmm. but, But the thing is, when we're getting courting somebody we're not really thinking like that are we we're thinking that oh yeah this person could help me out in some way or other <laughs> even if it's right. just um but that's not what it's about you know we've been we've been conned by our hormones yeah and and uh but it's there's nothing wrong with it you know it's just we're part of a process there's a flow yeah and we're serving that role in creation and it's a humble and, and very, uh, you know, um, profound process, you know. But it's not really about us. We're just, you know, like on a train that happens to be going somewhere. <laughs> and we can't get off. No, just- you can't really. You can, you know, there is a sort of small option of getting off. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's, let's see. Uh, like in Thailand, um, everybody... Well, at least all the young boys, they would go for training in the monastery and then they would be there for a few years and then they'd go home and get married. But of course, the option was always a few would stay in the monastery and become the senior monks. So that sort of option. And of course, it's not purely the boys. I mean, there's places for the girls as well. I mean, it's like if you don't want to go in for that drama... You can become a spiritual person that's perfectly fine and even if you're married you can become spiritual there's no reason why you can't be um but you know you you've also got to feed all those guys who are just sitting in the monastery meditating
0: right (laughs) right
1: it's the the householders that are feeding them all so that's why they say the householder is the highest state because they're doing all the work
0: yeah well and like you said there's there's nothing saying that we can't be a householder and also be a spiritual person no, and
1: no, definitely
0: th- and that is the path of spirituality. It is understanding. it's like like you were saying, there's nothing right. inherently wrong about being a person and having hormones and allowing that to kind of take the wheel. but when we have the outside awareness and we're operating from the compass of, there's more to this karma is involved Destiny is involved and i'm not going to just use this person as means to an end or to fulfill my needs or to get something out of them it's like understanding that each interaction is a karmic interaction and it should be handled with love and compassion regardless of what we can get from people um i'm about to go off on a tangent but (laughs) something
1: that's a good tangent in a way because The thing is that we have karma with certain people and you know that karma is is un is is a sort of consequence of some past something yeah and we don't remember generally what the past something sometimes we remember a little bit but uh you know there's something that we have a connection with somebody and it there's some incomplete process so that could be many could be many things maybe they're they wanted to kill us and they just didn't make it the last time around Or, or you know or i mean whatever it is good bad or ugly i mean there's something and it's better to finish it off you know really what we're doing here is we're trying to finish off the karmas and if you if you if you're kind of uh just in whatever you're in without too much complaint then the karma is just processing and washing off. Yeah. And, you know, if you create a big fight and, you know, revenge and all these things, all you're doing is creating lifetimes of more karma. Yeah. You know, it, it's like the mafia thing, you know. I mean, it's not, it don't even need the karmic theory. It's just that you killed my father, I'm killing you. And then, no, you killed my dad, I'm killing you. And it just goes on and on. I mean that—that yeah. that is literally what's happening, you know, amongst the souls. So it's not even just the humans; it's going on with the animals as well, according to various yogi stories. So, you know, the—the the, uh, there's this sort of process of an eye for an eye, and it goes on endlessly. And so, the point has to come where you—I mean, becoming spiritual means it just means really that you're—you're you, you're finished with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the turning the other cheek. Really, that's basically mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, within some degree of reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, so of it,
1: course. You know, it, it's it's in some position. Like suppose you're uh, you join military, you have to fight. You can't just turn the other cheek. But that's because it's your dharma, your job to to do that. You know, but um, it, it you know basically. If, if to whatever extent we can, we want to just finish with the karma. That means you have to pass through the processing or experience of it, and so then it's gone. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
1: you said your karma with each person is only for a certain length of time. That is the truth, Mm -hmm. and that time passes. You know, I remember when my father died. My mum and dad have been together for uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years. And and um I remember it's just at the funeral, it suddenly struck me that you know it's just the blink of an eyelid since they got together. Yeah. Because really. when you get to that point where it's over, you think, well, it just went just like that. So every, you know, that's always the case. So we shouldn't make Shouldn't blow it out of all proportion you know we should we should enjoy it and yeah. make it as as wonderful as it possibly can be which means that we should be as wonderful as we possibly can be because it's only how wonderful we are that our experiences are that wonderful yeah so no, no no ruin it by what you say like trying to uh, exploit the other person that is the best way of destroying a relationship
0: yeah and building like really negative karma with that person but
1: yeah, it's terrible
0: and it something has... that oh i'm yeah. sorry no he's gone something that i was talking about earlier also is this idea that even though like you were saying at at the funeral of your father it was like a blink of the of an eye it's like even though that span of time went by so quickly, he acted as such a profound mirror and vehicle for self-development and growth for you and your mother and so many other people in his life. And so, you know, I think it's so important to keep in mind that these relationships are opportunities for self-evolution and growth. And ultimately, that's the purpose. And so even it if we're purpose, with
1: someone- that's it. That's it. Even That's
0: if we're cool. with someone for three months, it's like, how can I view this from a higher perspective? What can I learn about myself? How can I show up better for other people? It's like it doesn't really matter the duration of the relationship so long as we're using that connection as a vehicle to operate in the world in a more
1: evolved way. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, like suppose you go back to the guy at the checkout yeah. God I mean if you if you have a moment of sweetness with them, it makes a little better day for them, doesn't it totally. And if if you if you're grouchy and complaining, then you know they have to dissolve all that rubbish and it's not easy because there's so many people coming all the time. So you know if we can any interaction with another person and we leave them in a state of joy,
0: I mean, our life will
1: be extremely wonderful. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true, mm-hmm.
0: Doctor Foss. I um, I wanted to go back very briefly. I want to be respectful of your time. I just kind of want to summarize some of the things we've spoken about, and then I have one more question. But just kind of from the beginning, you were mentioning in astrology, what kind of binds people together is the Rahu K two conjunct axis and synastry it can kind of bind people. When it comes to Saturn, it's really more about the individual chart's maturity when viewing relationship. It's yes, like sinistry yes. matters, but if you don't have a chart that denotes wanting a long term relationship, it doesn't really matter where Saturn is. It may not give a long term relationship and sinistry.
1: Well, the thing is, I mean, long term is not, doesn't matter whether you want or you don't want. Mm. <laughs> You know, it's just how much karma you have with the other person. Plus how you are in it, you know, but even if you're wonderful in it, it still may just expire for no fault of your own, you know. Mm-hmm. so That's why it comes down to living now, not in some possible future, mm-hmm. which is the point you were making. I mean, the now is the only thing we've got. We don't have the next moment. We don't have the last moment. We only have now. So if we're thinking about what about my future or we're just caught up in some whatever about the past, mm-hmm. you, you're going to make a mess of the present, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're definitely going because you're not there. Mm-hmm. So you missed the present. Yeah. And there's nothing else, nowhere else to enjoy life. So now your life is no longer enjoyable. So you know the whole thing is about being present because ultimately enlightenment is just perpetually being present. That's what it is. Yeah. There's no, there's no calculation for the future. There's no uh, discussion about the past. There's just the state of being present, which is infinitely joyful. Mm-hmm. The past and the present, future, give all kinds of misery because the future we get anxious about it, and the past we. You know, grieving or feeling bad about it you know or even if we think feeling remembering some good thing but the fact is it's just a memory if we we're present we'd be enjoying the bliss in the present so that's the thing you know all this sort of calculation is not very helpful mm-hmm. you know if we're planning a business we have to make plans they may never happen like that but the planned planning has its value but yeah. you know and I mean, there is this whole whole process with a relationship. But if you spend too much time calculating about the future, you know, it, let's face it, we're at this particular point in the history of the planet or a history of humanity where we don't know what's going to happen next.
0: True, you know, so one true. day
1: you're living in your beautiful home in California and the next day you're in a shelter somewhere and it's burnt down isn't it? or it's washed away or god knows the time some tornado took it away i mean this has happened to too many thousands of people every year just in the u.s you know and this is nothing this is just the beginning so you know i mean when those things happen you start appreciating that you have someone else with you (laughs) because it's an awful lot easier if there's two of you to cope with these sort of things so you know we shouldn't worry too much about the future. We absolutely shouldn't worry, you know, calculating about the future. And I'm not, we shouldn't worry about the, like climate change and all that, because we have to make the most of the present and just be intelligent. Uh, Because it is gonna be whatever it is. And we're going to face it. And we will be as good as we are, we'll manage with it, you see. So nothing I, I I got him, you know, I, I wanted to join some group that's sort of interested in these things. And um they have a whole sort of network and and one of the themes of their network was dealing with climate depression. And I thought, what the heck? you know, climate depression is a kind of like uh middle class indulgence. You know, <laughs> I mean maybe I'm a bit harsh, but Really, you know, if you're if you've had a decent meal and you're living in a comfortable home, you can sit there feeling depressed. But if you know your house has just blown away, you're not you don't have time to be depressed. Yeah. You've got so many things to That's try and right. survive. There's no time for all of that nonsense. Yeah. So come on, guys, you know, we've just got to focus on what positive things we can do now and mm-hmm. and, and be happy with that. You know, we have to do what we ever maximum we can do and be happy with it. I mean, that's the only way to approach these things, you know. And when people are see more, when their lives are more threatened, they become a bit more humble. And that makes it, relationships a lot better. Because it's only our <laughs> arrogance that gets in the way, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And and it's like, and and I'll I promise I'll let you go soon. I feel like this is also good to kind of wrap up with, but. It really is going back to the online dating thing. It's like we're so we have so much time on our hands that we can just find problems with anything. Exactly. Like, it's just like rubbish. fifty years ago, seventy years ago, like we needed each other to survive. That seems so going small to be like that. we could work through, but now we can create all sorts of problems because yeah. we have the time and the resources. Exactly. So
1: in the in the those few um, decades ago, they, they actually had homes and marriages nowadays it's getting more and more uh, infrequent you know yeah it seems yeah. and uh, you know fertility is collapsing and yeah it's, it's, it's you true. know but the fact is that when there's things are not so good and externally then you value other people more and you value community more all these old ideas will come back and then people will just be grateful to have another person to share it with and that'll yeah. be good, you know. Yeah, we've got to get over this sort of modern middle class arrogance yeah. thing.
0: <laughs> I feel, Doctor Foss. I feel like both of us are so Saturnine that it yeah, always comes right. back yeah. to working more and
1: being grateful. That's right. That's exactly true. But I mean, of course, you'd have to be Saturn to say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, and all the other know. planets will have some different story. I mean, <laughs> Mercury doesn't have any problem with sleeping around. They say, what else would I do? You know, it's
0: like, yeah, <laughs> all the time in the world. Yeah,
1: but exactly. um,
0: I I did want to say, though, that I think that the overall takeaway is, is being present, trying to view relationships from the bird eye view and approaching with that humility and that gratitude. And I think it's it's such a beautiful gift in this lifetime to come into contact with someone who is willing to work through things with us. And so Mm -hmm. if we're lucky enough to have someone who's willing to show up and and make some sacrifices, maybe even make some changes for us, that's a huge blessing. And sometimes I think we get caught up in novelty or we get caught up in doubt, or uh, maybe we get caught up with things that have happened in the past. But at the end of the day, it's like if someone is willing to to offer us that time, energy, and work, it's it's a beautiful thing to consider.
1: That's so important. You know, we should count our blessings every day. First thing is, I'm still alive. Yeah. You know, that is the first thing every morning you should think. Thank you, God. Because a million people at least don't wake up in the morning. Every day. So the fact that we're still alive, well... That's wonderful. So now there's a big smile on the face. It's hard to wipe that smile off, you know. And the next day is an even bigger smile. So, you know, and then all the other things we've got to be grateful for. So it's, it's when we start forgetting all those things, we forget all our blessings and we start complaining over some stupid thing. Then that's where the blindness has totally taken over and we're lost, you know. Then we become a nuisance to the people around us. They may put up with us. But for a while, but you know we're just becoming a nuisance. No, we have to be. You know the gratitude. This why you know we're coming up to Thanksgiving now, and it's such a beautiful tradition. And you know, in when I was growing up, I mean we couldn't start a meal without giving thanks. Maybe lots of people still do that, you know. But if if regularly multiple times a day you're giving thanks, it's hard to be you know mean and. You know grumpy isn't it yeah yeah so you know this this is the main thing you know it's it's uh for a for a a life in the state of joy yeah there's so many things to be grateful for i mean really you know look at the poor people in ukraine or in ethiopia or any of the i mean so many almost everywhere else on the planet the suffering that those guys are putting up with yeah it's just uh <laughs> i mean it could easily be us like what's the, it's so, so uh, true yeah yeah and then it, I mean, it gives you it gives you bigger perspective you see that's what we need we need to keep our awareness open yeah and not fall down and get stuck on some little thing yeah know? because everything in life is time limited however some beautiful thing we got it's going to go away at some point yeah nothing lasts forever so if our life is dependent on something even the body or the mind then we've already got a problem because the body is never going to be perfect and the mind is never going to be perfect but we have got a body and a mind that's already a big plus You know, once we're dead, we won't have a body, and we won't have much of a mind either. So we should be very grateful. That's why every morning it's like, "Wow, still alive!" Yeah. uh, (laughs) So, you know, once you lose lost the body, then you're just drifting around trying to find another one, and it's not easy. Can take a really long time. So you know, and there's lots of them. This is like. there's a lot more people drifting around than there are you know embodied so we should make the most of our time that we have because it's only in the body that you can really grow and develop as a person yeah
0: yeah it's an amazing amazing thing and it's just like using our body as a vehicle for the self-development like you were saying and what a beautiful amazing opportunity that we have the the option of doing yoga, of doing pranayama, of offering food, of, of using it as a vehicle for our own development and, and to create a positive influence in the world. And so just thank you so much for such a beautiful reminder and such a beautiful podcast. I'm so excited. I know everyone's going to enjoy it and get something out of it. Um, Is there, do you have any closing words or do you feel
1: complete? I I think your closing words were actually brilliant. And it's good to mention yoga, I think, you know, because yeah. the, the point about the yoga and the pranayama and the asanas, they they create that they help create that stillness in the body that keeps our awareness wide open, and leads to a, a joy, you know, ever increasing joy, you know, it may take a while to burn through whatever we've loaded ourselves up with, but a certain point comes when the lightness increases and the joy increases. So really, the best possible thing is to have a strong yoga practice. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, some yoga is not just exercise. You know, it's it's a whole um, phenomenon. So we we should try if we have a chance. We should try and find a really good teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. somebody who is self realized. Mm-hmm. Follow their program, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people do they think that yoga is is a specific set of exercises but a lot of the time it's also breathing and holding mudras and um all sorts of movement that don't necessarily need us to be athletic because i think some people think oh, like oh i keep practice
1: <laughs> what's that sorry it's not like that yeah. so comes yeah. the 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 whole thing about the asana is sukha which means uh Joy and mm-hmm. stira which means steadiness, mm-hmm. or you know, sokam is also sort of comfort, ease. So to be able to be still and comfortable in the body, that is asana. That's the essence of asana. All of those, you know, different positions are all just ways of sort of really sort of uh, straightening out the system. And enlivening the system so it's able to sit comfortably yeah in the state of joy that's that's it so it's not uh it's not about building muscles or uh you know losing weight or whatever i mean those may be side effects (laughs) (laughs) it does for whatever purpose whatever reason people do it uh it's good anyway
0: yeah yeah no, I think that that's great. And um, I think that it just kind of tying it all together, when we want relationship, it's always so important to focus on ourselves first and to mm-hmm. stay connected to our spiritual practices. And even if we're in a really loving, amazing, fulfilling relationship, then not completely losing ourselves in that, but kind of coming home to the spiritual practices and and the techniques that we can use to keep our ourselves steady because that will ultimately lead to a better relationship with ourself spirit, other people long term. So it's like that relationship, the relationship with our own internal, you know, compass, heart space, for lack of better words, that's really, I think that um, it could create a lot more magic.
1: Mm. I would just like to say that the everything in yoga, if you read the yoga sutras, everything in yoga is about paying attention. And so paying attention may be the the reason why we're doing the practices but they're not it's not in any way limited to the time of practice so there isn't really a break like this is my life and my relationship this is my practice and the two could end up competing with each other no it, it's the 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 whole point about paying attention should go on 24/7 as far as possible and then we'll make a good job of it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it.
0: I love it. That's so perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Foss. And I'm sure I'll try to convince you to come on again. You always sure. have such amazing insight and wisdom. And. Um, just thank you so much and I'll be sure to link our other video and your website and everything in the descriptions for people to go and find you and book a reading with you and buy your program and buy your book and all of that good stuff. Thank
1: Thank you so much. Very nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening until the end of this segment. I hope that you found it helpful and supportive. I think that human relationship is one of the most beautiful paths in this lifetime and such a beautiful. Vehicle for personal understanding, personal evolution, and growth. And it's such a beautiful opportunity to have access and resources to spiritual knowledge, to expand our consciousness and these different mediums like Vedic astrology that can really help us understand ourselves better, the world better, and others better. And it's just such a treasure to have teachers who can help guide us and support us and decode these things so that we can really use the knowledge to our advantage to live life with more clarity and to better understand others and show up for them in our best way possible to serve and support one another. So again, having Dr. Foss here to share with us today, it brings me so much joy. I really do uh, feel so much gratitude that he made the time to be here. Again, I hope that you enjoyed it. If you would like to receive weekly Horace, Scopes, you can sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. My website is innerknowing.yoga, where you can book a reading or explore my other offerings. And my Instagram is astrology now underscore podcast. Of course, again, today we interviewed Dr. Andrew Foss. All of his information will be linked in the descriptions. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.